0: Hope in God's Unending Mercies On December 17th, 1927, while servicing from a submerged position off the coast of Massachusetts, the USS S-4 submarine of the United States Navy was rammed by another ship and it quickly sank. The entire crew of the submarine was trapped as it reached the seafloor. Ships rushed to the scene of disaster, but rescue efforts were thwarted by severe weather. By the time divers were able to get to the sunken submarine, only six crew members remained out of the original 40-man crew. During the attempted rescue, those six men who were trapped in the sub were able to exchange a series of Morse code messages with the rescue force by tapping on the hull of the vessel. As the trapped men used the last available oxygen in the sub, they sent a Morse code message. Is there any hope. The rescue party responded with a Morse code message of their own. There is hope. Everything possible being done. Is there any hope? Seems to be the cry of all humanity, isn't it? We're all trapped, as it were, in a sunken submarine, calling out, is there any hope? It's a cry that's echoed forth from every generation since the Garden of Eden to our generation today. It's a cry that can be heard loud and clear from the remnant of Judah after God sent the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem and capture those who remained. The book of Lamentations encapsulates the cries of God's afflicted people expressed in five poems. The author of Lamentations, believed to be Jeremiah according to the prologue in the Septuagint, wrote this collection of poems after he witnessed the fall of Jerusalem in 586 bc at the hands of the babylonian army the tone of the book is one of deep distress despair and discouragement as people lived in a time of darkness destruction and death the author throughout lamentations was lamenting over the death or destruction of the city of jerusalem as well as the afflictions of the people of judah the writer himself was well acquainted with affliction he begins chapter 3 I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. And then in verse 18 of that same chapter, I say, says Jeremiah, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. You can almost picture the prophet Jeremiah among those trapped survivors in that submarine off the coast of Massachusetts, tapping his own morse coded question to God, is there any hope? But amid his affliction and wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, as his soul was being crushed by discouragement, he intentionally called to mind things that would give him a light of hope in the darkness. But this I call to mind, he says in Lamentations 3.21, and therefore I have hope. What did he call to mind? What revived Jeremiah's hope? Well, the answer is not what, but who. Lamentations 3.22-23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He remembered the Lord. Specifically, he called to mind the Lord's faithful love and mercies. Such remembrance elicited a real hope within Jeremiah, and such remembrance can elicit a real hope within us. Not a seasonal hope that comes and goes with Christmas decorations, cards, or carols, but a sure and steady anchor for the soul when the waves crash into us unexpectedly. A light that shatters apart and scatters the pressing darkness that looms over us. The second half of verse 22 and the beginning of verse 23 have been dear to me these last several weeks. In his discouragement and darkness, Jeremiah put his hope in God's unending mercies. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah mentions two ways that God's mercies are unending. Number one, God's mercies are unending in quantity. That's at the very end of verse 22. The fact that God's mercies never come to an end inspires at least a few reasons for us to hope in the Lord. First, it means that God's mercies are as eternal as He is eternal. His mercies will continue to exist as long as He does. Since God is from everlasting to everlasting, so too shall his mercies be. This gives us hope that we can never outlive his mercies for us. Second, that God's mercies never come to an end means that his mercies are unlimited in number. Not just from everlasting to everlasting, but infinite and innumerable. We will never be able to reach the bottom of the barrel of God's mercies. We could sooner count the stars or number all the grains of sand before counting all his mercies. This gives us hope that we can never out-sin God's mercies. For every one of our sins, God has a myriad of mercies. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. His mercy will always outpace, overwhelm, and overcome our sin. And third, that God's mercies are never-ending means we will not be cast off forever as Jeremiah continues to write in verse 31 of Lamentations 3, for if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. Judah and Jeremiah were experiencing a time of grief, but Jeremiah's hope was that such grief was only temporary. He was convinced that the Lord would again pour out his mercies on the remnant of his people. Certainly this gives those of us hope who are afflicted by grief, burdened with troubles, sinking in sin, dwelling in darkness, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Our hope is that God will once again turn to us. His face will shine upon us and we will experience the warmth of his unending mercies again. Another way that God's mercies are unending, according to Jeremiah, is that the quality of God's mercies is unending. That's in the very beginning of verse 23. Charles Spurgeon dedicated an entire sermon to this single phrase in verse 23, which he titled, The Novelties of Divine Mercy. Think about that for a moment. Let that sink into your soul. God's mercies are always novel, fresh, new each morning. Again, there are several reasons why this fact should inspire us to hope in the Lord. First, that God's mercies are always new each morning means we have mercies for today's problems, burdens, sins, worries, and circumstances. It isn't that yesterday's mercies are somehow rotten or weak for the task today, More so that yesterday's problems, burdens, sins, worries, and circumstances required yesterday's mercies. Today's mercies are for today's concerns. We don't have to put these mercies in a Ziploc baggie to be preserved for tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring with it fresh, new, novel mercies of its own from the Lord. But today we receive God's mercies that are like warm and gooey, fresh and fragrant Christmas cookies pulled directly out of the oven. Second, that God's mercies are always new each morning means that not only are his mercies unlimited and infinite, but that they are always unique and relevant. His mercies are always appropriate to fit the occasion and need. This gives us hope that we will never be able to be in a new situation or have a new need in our lives that God's mercies cannot meet. When we're in uncharted territory, God is faithful to give us suitable mercies. And third, that God's mercies are always new each morning means that even if we are in the same situation as yesterday and have the same needs, God's mercies will never grow cold, stale, or spoiled. You may still have yesterday's problems, but you do not need to warm God's mercies up in the microwave today. This gives us hope that God's Mercies never go to waste, and come to us in the hour we need them, according to his wisdom. That reminds me of the hymn, Day by Day, which goes, Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, gives unto each day what he deems best, Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. And then the second stanza of the hymn begins, Every day the Lord himself is near me, with a special mercy for each hour. Today's mercies are sufficient for today's problems. And one of the new sufficient mercies that we receive each morning is the ability to trust that God will give us sufficient mercies again tomorrow, if he so wills. Jeremiah's hope in the Lord was revived as he called to mind God's never-ending, always-new mercies. In the saddest moment of Judah's history, as Jerusalem lay ruined, the temple wrecked, her people ravaged, God's unending mercies, unlimited in quantity and unspoiled in quality, breathed a new life of hope into God's prophet. Weak, weary, and wounded saint, call to mind the faithful, unending mercies of your God. Place your hope in him who is to you the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Additionally, you have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who himself was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and thus able to sympathize with you in your sorrows and grief. He was beset with weakness, and so he knows what mercies we need in our weakness. That, in and of itself, is a mercy relevant to this Advent season. Because of his incarnation, we have a perfect, exact representation of God's merciful nature, who came as one of us to dwell with us and die for us. Jesus Christ knows by way of experience what discouragement, despair, death, and darkness are like. In one sense, he knows of it infinitely more so than we do. But our hope is in the fact that he persevered and prevails over such things through his death and resurrection. Darkness could not snuff out his light. Hell cannot stop the hope he came to mercifully bestow and renew within us, day by day and with each passing moment. Because of Jesus Christ, we can genuinely sing to the Lord, Great is thy faithfulness.